Hello, you are listening to The Process Podcast. I'm your host, Sienna Facholo. Did you like my my superficial greeting? <laughs> oh goodness. Um Today I have a super special conversation for you. This is Kijana Cruz. She is so many things. She has a radio show called Vibe Out with Kijana on 100.9 FM WXIR out of Rochester, New York. And she's also the creator of Be Brave Magazine, which is a newly released quarterly magazine. Not only that, but she's also a professional vocalist that performs with multiple party bands and she's a professional photographer. Talking with Kijana opened my eyes in a lot of different ways and you will see why in a second. So here is my conversation with creative Kijana Cruz. So Kijana, you are a full-fledged creative. You're a musician, you're a photographer, you're an artist working with physical mediums, you're a magazine creator, and so much more. My first burning question for you is, what is the core motivation for doing all that you do? What, what drives you to wake up every morning and continue to create? It's a twofold thing. For me, it's being able to express and finally tell people how I feel and, and the things that are all the crazy things going on in my mind. But then also I feel a drive that God wants me to put the message, you know, the message of having faith, not giving up in life, that he's there for us. And that's interwoven in all of my, my art. Mm. So I actually really love this quote. You wrote this in the first issue of Be Brave magazine. You mm-hmm. said... No, this isn't a Christian magazine, but it is a Christian's magazine. Yeah. <laughs> so I always have to give praise to the Lord. It's because of him that I am here today. I really loved that. And I was wondering, what's your relationship with God? Like, who is who is God to you? I know you just talked about it a little bit, but... Yeah. So I guess I should probably talk about my journey with him. In the past, you know, I, I always saw him as judge and jury, mm. you know, the one that, you know, either scold me when I do something bad or the one that I have to make sure that I please or I'm not going to go to heaven, you know. And as far as my belief, that's the truth. I also feel that it's important to recognize God as my father, my parent, you know, my ultimate parent, the one that I go to for comfort, the one that I go to for guidance. He cares about us and loves us and wants us to be happy also. So, you know, that part is the part that was missing before. I went through a lot, you know, in 2018, I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I'm cancer-free now as of 2019. And I'm rejoicing because at the end of this year, I'll be five years out, you know, cured. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, now the doctors are recognizing it. (laughs) That's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) And I I give praise to God for that, you know, because I mean, to get through that, I really had to dive in and stop trying to take control over everything. Um, with that particular situation, all I could do was go to chemo. The rest of it, I had to put in God's hands. So my journey with him got a lot stronger. And then all the things he showed me afterwards, you know, since I was at that point open to hearing him, open to feeling him, I was able to communicate with him better. And I wish I didn't have to go through that, but <laughs> like God's been showing me how the different arts and crafts and things that he has me doing, he gave me those gifts for a reason. No, I mean, that's such a good start. And I'm, mm-hmm. we're going to dive deeper into all of 
everything that you just said. I feel like you just got at the heart of everything. So thank you. (laughs) Um, That experience that you went through of just having to persevere, but also having to let go of control seems to have really inspired you to create this new magazine, Be Brave magazine. And Mm -hmm. you wrote in Be Brave, I know all too well about the importance in valuing every day like it's your last because anything could happen. And I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit more about how your creative work comes from that value. When I was fighting for my life, I was looking at my life like there's so many things I want to do. I wanted to do this. I wanted to to do that. I'm good at doing this. I'm good at doing that. I'm like, when am I going to have my chance? I was thinking to myself, like, I know I had chances before, but I was always so consumed with the pain I was in, so consumed with the other health issues I was dealing with that I wasn't allowing myself to go do those things. Mm. And once it was like, okay, well, now you might not have a chance. And it's like, okay, well, just give me that chance again, you know? So then when I got the chance again, even though I was, I'm still dealing with health issues, I still am in pain. Now it's like, okay, well, I have to do what I can do because this is the only life I have and it could be taken away. I can't just wait till I'm better yeah because there's no guarantee that I'm going to be you know so Mm. you know I mean I I believe and I have trust and faith that I'm going to heal up and everything I mean but the reality is even if that's not my journey the things I'm meant to do because that's what I felt like deep inside at that time I felt like there were so many things that was meant to do like that was a part of my purpose that wasn't getting a chance to carry out now I'm seeing that since I have a chance to carry out that purpose it's time to jump in full-fledged dive in head first you know I mean, be cautious and smart about it, but, you know, it's time to give it a try. And I realized that the only lane that I'm in is the lane that God puts me in. You know, that was a big lesson I had to learn, being hesitant about trying something out new. Well, what if you're good at it? You know, and then, yeah, people may give you the side eye, like, get out my lane, but it is what it is. If that if that yeah. lane's meant for you, it's yours. The side eye. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, I love that so much. I'm, okay, this is something that I've been working on in my life recently, How do you access the knowledge of what is your path? Like, where do you go? What do you do? What kinds of environments do you put yourself in? How do you kind of open up those channels? Again, it's a multiple, multiple things. So part of it is I feel like God's been leading me into, you know, different things. Like with the photography, that was straight up God telling me, pick your camera back up pick your camera back up. And I just had this weird feeling. Why am I, it it wasn't even me wanting to go out there and do it. It was like, really? Now, just looking at the camera like, okay. I mean, we were all doing it. Like, we were in the middle of the lockdown in 2020. So it wasn't much for me to do. So it was like, okay, it's time to go in the backyard, take yeah. some pictures. So right. then I started putting all those nature photos up. And everyone's like, those are nice. You should start doing it seriously. And the guy's like, see? You know? <laughs> like, so I go out there and I keep taking the pictures. But I had this urgency inside of me all of a sudden. It was like, you're supposed to do this. Keep taking the pictures. And, and I'm just like, but God, I don't know why. I mean, that, that's how I know when God's talking to me is it's outside of what it is that I want. And I'm going to tell you right now, when it came to the magazine, be honest, I didn't want to do it at first. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept feeling like God kept saying, no, this needs to happen. Do it. I do graphic design. I don't personally like it like that. I mean, I do like the art of it, the balance and stuff like that. But when it comes to print work, graphic design specifically, I love touch up. Touch up work on photography is like, oh, I love it, you know, but when it comes to the print work, you know, formatting and all that stuff, it gets frustrating for me sometimes. So then, you know, that I'd like to pass off to the next person, have them do that job. But, you know, 
me thinking about the whole picture of things and knowing that I was going to be the, the one to have to do it all, you know, because I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could rely on anyone. You know, if I tell someone to do something, I still got to go back and check it and then end up doing it right myself because they didn't do it on time. They didn't get it to me. And to me, it was like, okay, well, this that's more stressful. I might as well just do it. Yeah. I was looking at that whole picture when it was like, okay, you have to do this magazine. And that's why it took a whole year for me to start off because I had to get the business stuff lined up. You know, all that stuff had to happen in order for me to even put it out there. But yeah, I guess that's the main reason is like God pushes me to do a lot of the stuff that I do. I mean, sometimes I put myself in the environments where I'm surrounded by other creatives so that I can, you know, network with them and stuff like that too, you know, and just make friends that are like me, you know, because sometimes I feel like the alien creative, like Nanu Nanu, you know, like, I feel like you know, uh, like nobody can get me, you know, so. <laughs> But then when I'm around certain people that the artists, they get me because they think like me and they're just like, yeah, you know, so totally. yeah, I get inspired by other people's artwork and stuff too. And other people's journeys. And... Yeah. It's almost like a feeling of surprise when you get these messages or urges mm -hmm. because it's not coming from you. That's really interesting. Yeah. But then they're confirmed. You know, and that's how I... Oh, okay. Interesting. So mm -hmm. it's a prize, and then you try it, and then it's confirmed. Sometimes. Or always. Yeah, yeah. The way... Yeah, that's how I know when God's talking to me. If he tells me something, he's either going to confirm it in the Bible, or he's going to confirm it through other people. Mm. You know? And a lot of times, he'll tell me something or show me something, and then, like, right after that, something wild will end up happening, where it's just like, wait, what just happened? because I followed what he said. For instance, I can't say names, but I i mean, I have to say this. This is a blessing that, that hit me so crazy. I couldn't tell anybody about it when it happened because respect to the person and everything. But there was a time where in the middle of 2020, and it was right after I got a position with the other magazine I was helping out with um, at that time. And I had taken pictures of different people, you know, their portraits and stuff for the magazine. And I'm looking at their other photographers' photos and I'm looking at mine. I'm like... My camera is so horrible. <laughs> you know, I'm like, God, if you want me to do this, I got to have better equipment. I'm mean, like, God, I don't know what to do here. And I'm, I was in tears because oh, no. I was at a point where I couldn't, mm. you know, get better. Yeah. Because I was limited by my equipment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was having a heavy prayer session with God. I'm like, Lord, I really, if you really want me to do this, I don't know what to do here. Because I didn't, because at the time I was on SSI, you know, I had no real income coming in at all other than that. I literally have no money. So how am I going to do this? I'm doing this to try to get something, you know? But then the next day, so I can only say a friend of mine, okay. you know, hit me up and asked me if I needed equipment. <gasps> he had no clue about any of this. Oh my okay? gosh. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but I can't afford it. And he's just like, yeah. So, you know, it's like, I have a bunch of equipment. I was wondering if you could use it. You know, I'm like, yes, definitely. He's like, okay, well, pay me back later. Oh. You know, when you, as you make it back with gigs. So I went over there and he hands me a lens. He tries to tell me to put it on the base of my camera and it didn't fit. It was a wide angle lens. And I'm looking around like, I'm like, oh, it doesn't fit. I'm like thinking like, oh, this stuff isn't going to work. He's like, okay, well, the body that you'll use this one on is over there. The, you oh know what I mean? I'm like, hold up. I'm looking over. He had a whole new camera over his side. Oh my gosh. It wasn't new, but it was old, but it was new to me. Okay. He ends up giving me the whole case of equipment and everything, and it had, like, a lot of stuff, and the battery packs, all kind of stuff, all multiple lenses, all kind of stuff was oh, in that thing. And wow. I'm getting ready to walk out the door, and I'm like, how much do I have to pay you back for this? Because this is a lot of equipment. As you know, I don't have much money. 
So then he was just like, no, I just wanted to give it to someone who's going to use it. And I know you're going to use it. And I just, oh my gosh, I just boohoo cried. Aww. He literally Aww. just gave it to me. So that's where I was just like, wait, what just happened? Like I was boohoo crying, asking God for help the day before. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he hits me up. And then all of a sudden, like, wait, what? You know, confirmations like that showed me that I was supposed to be in that position. Yeah. I was supposed to. Yeah. You know? And I thank God so much for bringing people like that into my life and blessing me. And I'm thanking those people for listening to God when God told them, you should do this, Mm. you know, because it really did turn my life around. When I say that that blessing allowed me to start taking pictures on a professional level and being able to learn editing on a whole different level because of the different type of files that the camera is saving. That was something that just turned everything around. That's Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so beautiful. It seems like another confirmation that you're supposed to be doing photography came when you earned the Eileen Ryan Women Artist Scholarship through Rochester Artist Collaborative. Can you talk a little bit about that, about what it was like to get that confirmation? Yeah. That was cool because I really needed the sponsorship at the time. And that was a blessing. That was another confirmation because I needed a place to shoot photography at, especially with the magazine, having the magazine and having it start off. I needed a place to take people. And, you know, he really blessed me to be able to shoot out of that studio and not have to pay for it for that period of time. It was a real blessing. And, you know, they love my photography, which is to me, I'm still surprised everyone likes my work. (laughs) I'm one of those artists who will be afraid to release something because I'm like, no, 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 it's not right yet. So then when people do see it and they really love it, I'm just like, really? You know, (laughs) And I think, to be honest, photography is the first thing that I was happy with my work in the end where I'd see it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't touch it. It's good right there. You know, and that's the first time. And I think that feeling of accomplishment within myself really helps. But yeah, with the scholarship, though, it felt good that other people were recognizing you know, what I saw in something that I was finally actually happy with. And that meant a lot to me. I love that. And then again, and also they helped with setting up exhibits and stuff like that. You know, getting a chance to actually have my work up and go there and invite people to come to the exhibit, you know. So that was pretty cool. And that prompted me to do a couple. So I was just like, wow, you know. So just open the doors and it got me on the news. That was pretty cool. So I'm like, Totally. When I looked up Kijana Cruz, a lot of what came up was that scholarship, which was great because it gets your name out there. Yeah. I need to go back to what you said about how other people's recognition of your work actually was reflecting how you felt about your work and how that connection between how other people felt and how you felt was what really was satisfying. I think that's actually like, I've never heard it said like that, but I really think that's important to say because if someone's praising your work and you feel shitty about it, Mm -hmm. it's not really going to, kind of sink in that someone else likes it but if you feel really proud of it and then someone else confirms that it's gonna feel really good and I I think that's really powerful to realize that yeah because like when I'm looking at something and if I am not happy with it all, all I see is the flaw you know so if they're telling me that they like it I'm like but you're not recognizing this part this this part mm. wasn't right you know because you want them to see the perfection from your view you know so it's like when you do have it just right, it kind of has the opposite side of the effect also right. if they don't see it. And you're just like, hold up, but this is the way it's supposed to be. And they're just like, no, nah, but maybe you should do this. But that's not my vision, though. This yes, is my vision. Yes, the vision. I love it. I love it so much. Okay, so now back to the being critical of yourself, the self-criticism thing. 
Have you found ways to not do that? I guess for me, like, I'm always wondering if I can be less self-critical and if that would help me. Or do you think that being self-critical is helpful? It, it's definitely helpful. You know, because that's how we improve ourselves. We gauge where it is that we need growth. And as long as we're doing it in a healthy way and being able to acknowledge the parts that we have challenges with and acknowledge the parts that we're doing great at, you know. Um, I think that when it comes to looking at self, we have to be honest with ourselves on both sides of it and not just beat ourselves down. But spend as much time lifting ourselves up, even with our artwork, you know, seeing the parts that we do that's awesome. But then finding the parts that we recognize in ourselves that we need work at and spend that time improving that part, too, so that they're both awesome, you know, and no one's perfect. That's the part when it comes down to it. No one's perfect. But sometimes imperfection itself is perfect. When everything is just perfectly in place, then that's not perfect either because something's <laughs> off. It's too, you know, yeah. and it's too, too perfect. You know, right, sometimes no we light. need to have something there that's just not right. That's so but, good. Yeah. And that's what I'm learning about myself is that certain things are meant to be off, you know? Okay. Actually, this goes into yeah. something else. I've talked with you and some other people about this a little bit, about some of the challenges I've dealt with yeah. growing up and everything. I've actually recently found out as an adult that I am actually autistic. So it is kind of hard for me because of the fact that so many people haven't seen me that way. So that when I do talk to them about the challenges and stuff that I've been through growing up and all that, they aren't very supportive because they look at me like I'm making things up or something because they couldn't see what they felt autism looks like. They don't realize that it's shown in many different ways because it's a whole different space, a whole spectrum. And, you know, it actually took me looking at a YouTube video to see the symptoms that I have. I'm like, these are literally everything that I've been talking to my therapist about, everything that people, you know, like my, my family and stuff, when they fuss at me about certain things or whatever, all these things are my symptoms. I'm like, literally. So now I'm medically diagnosed. I actually went and found a psychologist and everything. I had a full assessment done and they were like, yeah, it's a pretty clear cut answer. You're autistic. Yeah. Wow. You know. But for me, you know, mentally, I had to try to come to terms with that and find out how I felt about that. And God, I feel God kept telling me he showed that to me for a reason. When other people are telling me, OK, we're going to pray that, you know, pray that away and all that. And I'm like, but here's something that you have to understand. God showed me this for a reason. He didn't tell me that this was an illness because it's not, mm. you know, he showed me that he made me this way so that I can do the things he wants me to do. I do all these different arts and crafts and stuff because my brain goes that way. All that stuff's in my head all the time, 24-7. So um, that's me opening the gate and letting that stuff out. But when it comes to reading comprehension, I can read. You know, I'm not saying that I can't read or that I'm bad at reading specifically. But for me, it's holding the information in my head short term, you know, reading something and knowing what it is, you know, like deciphering it right away. A lot of times I'm reading the words and they're not meaning anything because my brain doesn't want to grab it because I do ADHD also. Mm. So my brain's just like, uh, okay, I read the words. I'm saying them out loud even, but I don't know what it is I'm saying. You know, it's just, you know, I have different tics and stuff, but it, God was showing me, though, that all these things came along with the mm. gifts, you know, and I had to come to a terms with myself and understanding and loving myself and saying, OK, these things that I've been, you know, I hate to say the word program, but programmed by society to believe were flaws of mine were actually just a part of something that was actually my gift. 
I won't say embrace it all necessarily because the parts that I don't want to have attached to me, then I'm working on those things. But the autism part of it, I mean, it's a reality. It's something that I deal with. So I have to stop being so critical about the little flaws and stuff that I do deal with and recognize it for what it is. And I, I think that was a healing moment for me. It was a serious, serious healing moment to be able to recognize there's nothing wrong with me. All this time I've been treated like there's something wrong with me when there's actually nothing wrong with me. They they needed to recognize the things that I needed in order to get through. Mm. Mm. Wow. I think it's really important to say that because for many, many reasons. But I think it's just important to say that because it's true that we all work differently. And it's so helpful to realize that there is nothing wrong with each of us. That's so important. Mm -hmm. Like in 2020, I was diagnosed with PTSD and that diagnosis like really shifted the way I thought about my symptoms. Like you were saying, like instead of just not being able to function and that was my fault, it was, Mm -hmm. oh, these are symptoms and this is a reality and I just need to learn how to live with them or work with them. Mm -hmm. And all that being said, it sounds like having the autism diagnosis has almost giving you more freedom to pursue these crafts and to create? Is that anywhere near the truth? Or how would you say that? How would you talk about that? It's given me more freedom to open up and express myself in general in whatever weird, quirky way it comes out (laughs) versus trying to mask all the time and present myself as normal. Mm. (laughs) You know, because my normal resting state, a lot of times I'm holding in all the time. But I realized through therapy and everything that a lot of times I'm sitting, I'm holding my energy in. I'm sitting here, I'm literally kind of trapped in. And it's because I feel overwhelmed in that moment. And, and especially if I'm around a whole lot of people, all the sounds are all bleeding into each other. It's just everything is just one noise. You know, a lot of times, sometimes when I'm seeing things, I'm just seeing everything all at once. And I just have to kind of close my eyes for a little bit and then just try to focus on individual things to try to keep myself from having a panic attack. Or, yeah, I just had to learn to brace myself in those moments and understand what's actually happening. Mm. So when you think about art, mm-hmm. How do you see art kind of reaching in and touching people's hearts in a way that other things don't? I see art as a strong importance for society because it allows people to give a message in their own creative way, but it also allows people to create their own feelings based on that message. And this kind of goes into a topic that I was talking to uh, some people with when it came to AI art and stuff like that, that touches that for me because it's the question of, you know, are people able to express themselves in that? You know what I mean? So I just went that direction for a second because it pinpoints the same thing of what I'm saying of, you know, it's important for art to be human made, you know what I mean? Because we're putting emotion into the art. We have intent. We have a message. I mean, to me, art is expression. It's a part of humanity. It's a part of us showing ourselves. Yeah. Can you talk more about the importance of art in our society Yeah, it's important for expression and to understand what's actually happening in the minds of the people. When people create art, you're passing the energy of the art to those people so that they get the message of what it is you're saying. But then they take a piece from it to learn from it. They have a a reaction to it. I truly think that art doesn't necessarily have to please people. You know what I mean? As long as it makes the person feel something, then you were somewhat successful. You're getting people to recognize whatever message it is, whether they agree with it or not. Ooh. But it's making them feel something, you know? 
And, and that by itself is provoking a change because then they now take those feelings and they have to question it later. And when it comes back to mind, they're going to remember that piece because it evoked a strong emotion that brings back memory. Mm. And then on top of that, people who work so hard in their craft and they take their craft that seriously because it's a skill. You have to go to school for these things. They need to be able to make a living off of it because what are you going to school for for something if you can't make a living off of it? The point in going to college is to to create your future career. So if we're going to have that as majors in school, we also have to support the jobs that come out of it. Because otherwise, you're setting people up to have failure. Mm. And then also, it's important for people to respect the craft and respecting the people's prices. Because if you recognize how much work this artist put into what it is that they do, they're not just picking up some, a pen or pencil real quick and just drawing a picture and just doodling for you. No, they're trying to do exactly what you want. You know, with photographers, we literally train ourselves so much. I mean, we're editing when no one's looking. We're doing all this work to try to better our craft. So why try to get us to lower our price? I've literally had people say, can you hand me the camera and let me just click it? What? Are you serious? Like, that's an insult. Wow. Like, it's like, you wouldn't even know how to function a camera if I handed it to you. It's not on auto. You know? So it's like, you know, the people don't value art when it comes down to it. They look at it like little trinkets and that they're just going to have to pay less for it if the person makes it with their hands rather than recognize mm. that because it's made with their hands, because it's custom, because you can't go to the store and just get it again, you should be paying more because it should be valued as such. You know, it's irreplaceable now. Mm. You know, so I think that that's something that we as artists need to stand on our words, because when one person starts lowering their prices, it makes it harder for everybody else. And I actually dealt with the issue with this recently. That's why it's kind of hard on my heart. But, you know, just because everyone else lowers their price doesn't mean I'm going to do it because you're going to get their work. You're not getting my work. You know, my work is at the price that it's at because I put the work in for it to be at that price. You're getting what you're paying Hmm. for. So that's, that's where it's, yeah, it's important. Yeah, I actually had an experience just recently with this where I was teaching voice lessons to somebody for a pretty low rate. And I've decided to stop teaching for a while. I'm taking a teaching break. And because of that, I had to tell this student that I was going to stop teaching them voice lessons. And I said, I'll send you some recommendations. And what's been happening is I've been sending recommendations for teachers who are charging more because they're charging what they're supposed to be charging. And this student is like, can you send me anybody in your price range? And it's making me realize my price range is actually hurting these other teachers. You know what I mean? It wasn't just hurting me because I wasn't making enough money. It was hurting everybody else in my field because now the expectation is, oh, I can get this service for this amount of money. Mm-hmm which is false. Yeah. And they pit people against each other. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I just recently had that experience and it really made me think, I was like, oh, fuck, like mm-hmm. I need to actually charge people what I'm worth because it's not just for me. It's actually for everybody else. So mm-hmm. we are on the process podcast, which means I really want to hear about your rituals and routines and basically like the behind the scenes way you facilitate this kooky creative life that you're doing are there any things that you do every day that help facilitate your life i'm just the person that goes with the wind (laughs) (laughs) to be honest that's why i was kind of laughing over here like uh, do i have a process (laughs) 
I go with the impulse. To be honest, my creativity is based on what I am inspired by at that moment. You know, if I feel like something is, oh yeah, I just recently got into, this is actually perfect time to talk about it. I don't know how I got into comedy. I just started doing stand-up comedy. But <laughs> this is a perfect example because a lot of times I'll be doing something else completely different and then I'll say something real silly. I'm like, I got to write this down. And that's <laughs> right. writing it down. <laughs> and that becomes a part of that creative process. You know, I'm like, hey, you guys are my material, you know, <laughs> let's just work with this. But um, when it comes to like crochet and when it comes to drawing, I find I do that when I'm nervous mm. a lot of times. You know, that's kind of my thing to keep my hands busy. It's like a stimming thing for me. You know, I have my little fidget spinners, stuff like that when I'm at work or whatever. But a lot of times, like if I'm not working, working, I'll be sitting there drawing something. Or if I'm talking to someone, I'll be sitting there drawing while I'm talking to them because it helps me to concentrate on them, actually. Because if I'm not drawing... I'm looking up at them and I'm staring them in the eyes and I'm watching them stare at me back. Ah, so I can't have that. So I got to something else while I'm talking to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the same thing with crochet. If I'm sitting in a rehearsal or whatever, I'm feeling nervous energy is coming out into my crochet. I'm just sitting there and I'm just crocheting and, cro you know, the repetitiveness. Or with singing, same thing, you know, music. A lot of times I'm stressed out. That's when I rehearse mm. because that's when I'm able to just. So I've always told my therapist that I sometimes wish that I can go out into the middle of the woods somewhere and just scream <laughs> at the top of my lungs and just let it all out without feeling like I'm being judged, you know, or having someone look at me like she's gone crazy. You know what I mean? Just let me let it out. For me, with singing, when I really have to belt and stuff like that, those are my actual moments when I finally get to just let it out. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I've heard someone compare music and singing to like crying emotionally that feeling afterwards you have is like you just unleashed and you just let it all out it's the same feeling to me it's like you're you're releasing i've never heard that but that's genius <laughs> that's so true for me that's what it feels like i feel like i'm letting all those emotions out yeah mm. so even if you're singing other people's songs do you still feel like that yeah definitely yeah it doesn't matter what song it is i'm singing sometimes it's just Whatever emotion I'm having at that time, I let it out. And then I allow myself to feel the emotion of the song. Because of that, I have to be careful, too, of what songs that I sing. Because if I'm opening myself up and the song is about something that I don't need to have in my spirit, then I have to be careful not to sing that type of stuff. That's fascinating. You're taking it into your body, basically. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Wait, so let's talk about the comedy. Because this is, this is a new thing. You're like, nope, we're not skipping over that. <laughs> Yeah, we got to go back to that situation. <laughs> so did it come from you just starting to jot down funny things and then realizing you wanted to perform them? My comedy is my diary. Mm. <laughs> That's how I kind of feel. <laughs> yeah, so I do comedy about everyday things, my life, you know, my family, growing up, what things were like. Because my family, I mean, I have a very kooky you know, upbringing. So, like, my daddy's from the South, so I get a chance to talk about all the things that were very, 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 very Southern, you know, in our household. Or, you know, my mom, she grew up as a musician, you know, and she played with her family band, and she's done so much with music, and she sings, and all that stuff. So, that's where I get that from. But when it comes to just talking about, you know, the uniqueness of my family, like, there's so much material there. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. It's your diary. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, like I, I get a chance to finally talk about all these different quirky things. I know you do so much. I'm trying to figure out a joke to talk about that. You know, the fact that I do so many jobs, like, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear that joke. I'm working on it. Yeah, I would be very excited to hear that. 
So you do have a process. It just sounds like instead of being based on like a routine that's the same every time, it's based on like your internal state. Oh, definitely. Usually my art helps to keep me balanced. It's whatever I need at that time to help balance me back out. Because a lot of times I'm just super, super wired or I need a pick-me-up to make me feel good, you know? And then I start working on something and then it comes out great. And I'm like, oh, I feel good now, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's a mood lifter too for myself. Wow. So going back, I would love to hear more about like the nitty gritty stuff that you have to do. All of this business admin stuff that you have to do in order to put out your work. So this might be the Be Brave magazine or photography, however you want to answer that question. Mm -hmm. But just to give people who maybe aren't doing these things a sense. Yeah, I'm probably looking at the magazine. That's the one that takes the most, you know, the, the most, most grit. grit. Yeah, <laughs> grit in my teeth sometimes. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I first have to know the people that are going to be inside the magazine. You know, and then the people that are on the cover, usually is someone that I feel God's putting on my heart to put them there. They're there for a reason. That's the reason why a lot of times if someone asks me, can I be on your cover? I have to say no, unless it's someone that God tells me to put them there. But when it comes to the people inside of the magazine, for people's stories, I have them to write the story, but I give them a questionnaire and I tell them just make sure that all the answers are somewhere in what it is you're writing. You know, and then I usually tell them 400 plus words. Then I have to set up the photo shoots and then I have them come out and do their pictures. And usually that's kind of hard getting everybody out, you know, different people out at different times to do photos and trying to work in the middle of all that. So then I have to worry about the actual editing of the magazine, designing the actual formats, making sure that all the stories that are in there go along with the theme for that magazine. You know, yeah, all that. So, but then also the business side of things when it comes to the website, you know, having the website out, me designing the website, making sure everything's linked up right with the publishing company so that people can order their magazines online. All the accounts and stuff that's attached to those things and making sure those are acting right and they're linked properly to the website, you know, and then also the social media stuff, which is what I need to work on you know, getting the magazine out there more and promoting and using social media the way it's supposed to be used. But that by itself takes so much time that it's ridiculous. But that's the most important part. So you have to get people to get the magazine. But there's so much more behind the scenes with that because it's linked to my business and all that stuff. So there's so much more when it came to getting things in place and getting LOCs in place and all that stuff. It was just, yeah. That's why I took a year to start things off. I had to really focus on the business side of things. Thank you for listing all of that. It's a lot. It sounds like you're doing the work that like a team could be doing, but you're just doing it all by yourself, which is very impressive. Mm -hmm. What is your vision for the Be Brave magazine like delegating or the team, how would you like it to run? I personally would prefer to be the CEO, I guess, <laughs> of the magazine, but I want to be the lead photographer. And then I want to delegate everything else, to be honest. I mean, I enjoy the photography, that part and touch-up editing, you know, that type of thing. Outside of that, I'd like for the magazine to run itself so I can go and live a life, you know? <laughs> Plus, it creates a team, it creates a family that's pushing the magazine. You know, so. Well, we're putting out the request into the universe <laughs> for that to happen. I'm sure it will. It might take some time, but I'm sure it will happen. And I'm excited to support that. Mm -hmm. So I would love to just ask a couple of kind of like quick rapid fire questions just to kind of tie it all together. So what's one piece of advice you would give an artist just starting out? Be true to your art. And try to make yourself happy with the art, not necessarily making other people happy. 
you know, don't be overcritical of yourself, but know what it is you're looking for in your piece. If the piece doesn't feel right, try to understand what it is that's not feeling right. And then question yourself, are you looking for perfection? Is the imperfection of the piece actually going to communicate the message? Because that could be the piece, I mean, it might need the imperfection, you know? So, yeah, it's more about relaying the message of what it is you're trying to say, you know? And then whatever people gauge from it is what they gauge from it. And then also knowing your worth, making sure you don't lower your worth mm. for other people just because they feel they shouldn't pay as much. In the end, you know, if you keep your worth, you might not get work from those same type of people. You might be moving into a whole different demographic and you constantly lowering your prices isn't going to have you in that demographic of people you're trying to get into. So just expand yourself, go to the people that are willing to pay. And then that gets you out there more anyways. And then it keeps your price going up and it keeps the clientele coming that are able and willing to pay for it. Yes. Amazing. What's your favorite quote or mantra? Uh, my favorite one is from the Bible. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. If I feel like anything is coming, that's a different scripture. I feel like, you know, all these bad things are happening. Or if I feel nervous about a particular person in the art, music, whatever field, you know, and thinking that, okay, well, if I don't do what it is that they want of me, they might keep me from being able to get jobs. No. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm meant to do something. I'm going to be doing it. No matter what that person tries to throw in, they're just going to end up having a light shown on them. So just focus on you, you know, have your sights on what your goals are going to be and ignore all the other noise because a lot of them are just jealous of you anyways. I'm not saying people are jealous of me. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying that, <laughs> you know, there are people out there who will try to mess you up. <laughs> That's reality, you know? Yeah. So. Wow. Yes, all of that. Okay, one more. What is one lesson that really stuck with you, that you keep with you at all times? That I'm not alone in this. When I say I'm not alone, I mean spiritually. That has been the biggest thing for me. You know, I know that all this is tying back into spirituality, but for me, that's what is. That realm is more real than this realm to me. And, and most people that are in my faith of belief, they understand what I mean by that. You know, when God gives us a gift, he's going to communicate what that gift is. He's going to show you the path of what you're supposed to be doing with it. And that's something that I'm learning. He's going to tell you something. He's also going to confirm it. He's going to show you how to do it. Kijana, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much. Really, I've learned so much just in this one. Every time I talk to you, I learn so much. <laughs> but also just in this one hour, I feel like I've learned so much more. <laughs> <laughs> you stayed till the end. Yay. Oh my goodness. I'm so happy you're still here. And since you're still here, you should check out Kijana's website at kijanacruiseimaging.com. That's K-I-J-A-N-A-C-R-U-E-S imaging.com. You can find links in the show notes to all of Kijana's work, including her comedy YouTube channel, radio show, and Be Brave magazine. So check that out in the show notes. And I will see you all on the other side, which is code for in two weeks. We would not be able to put out this podcast without the generous support of our patrons. As soon as you become a patron, you'll get immediate access to video footage and bonus episodes from the process that no one else has seen besides the process patrons. You'll also receive bonus content from every new process episode that is exclusive to the process patrons. 
Become a patron of The Process and get exclusive Process episodes at patreon.com slash Sienna Pacholo. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash s-i-e-n-a-f-a-c-c-i-o-l-o. Process Podcast is produced by Sienna Facciolo, edited by Jessica Liu and Sienna Facciolo. Our theme music is written and performed by Sienna Facciolo, Chris Palace, and Jordan Rabinowitz, featuring Sally Louise on guitar, mixed by Chris Palace, mastered by Jet Galindo. The process is presented in partnership with Rochester Groupcast. All right, sending love. Bye.